Welcome to the Take Your Apprenticeship podcast. The Take Your Place team is made up of five universities and nine further education colleges from across the east of England. We are an impartial project dedicated to giving you the information you need, regardless of where you're applying to study. Since 2017, we have worked with over 30,000 students from 100 different schools, colleges and sixth forms, helping them to explore their options and discover their potential. Now we hope to help you too. In this podcast series, we will explore all aspects of finding, applying for and succeeding in an apprenticeship. Through talking to experts and current apprentices from a variety of industries, we will help you explore your future apprenticeship options. In this episode, we will be talking to Joanne Taylor from the University of Suffolk about how to find and apply for the perfect apprenticeship for you. I'm Tiff and I work for the University of Suffolk as a higher education champion. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to receive upcoming episodes which will cover top interview tips as well as hearing about the experiences of current apprentices. Joanne was interviewed by my colleague Rupert who works for the University of East Anglia. In their conversation, Joanne covers key topics such as the benefits of doing an apprenticeship, where to look for vacancies and top tips to do before submitting an application. I'm joined today by Joanne Taylor from the University of Suffolk. Thanks for joining us today, Joanne. Could you start by telling us a little bit about your role and what you do? Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm the Head of Apprenticeships at the University of Suffolk and I've been with the University since January of this year in a new post. Basically, as Head of Apprenticeships, I am responsible for the Apprenticeships Hub and our main focus is acting as the tracking and monitoring arm of the university between apprentice, the employer clients that we have and other faculties across the university. Brilliant, thank you. So you've got lots of great experience that we can draw on in this interview. So with this series, our plan is to explore why someone may choose to do an apprenticeship as a way to keep studying after their GCSEs, A-levels or college. Just to get started, what in your opinion are the main benefits of going down the apprenticeship route? Well, I myself was an original apprentice, so many, many years ago, I didn't know what I wanted to do, and I talked to my sixth form careers advisor at the time, and they talked about the possibility of an apprenticeship. And not much has changed in the fact that apprenticeships give you the benefit of earning an income and being employed, but obviously training at the same time. So it gives you the flexibility. You get a recognised qualification and you gain those real life transferable skills so that once you've completed your apprenticeship, you can actually take those on to your next steps. So it gives you that added bonus of having the qualification and the experience as well in order to do the next part of your career journey. Brilliant. Yeah, that's something we hear a lot, actually, from the employers we we work with as well. They're looking for those personal skills, the ability to have a conversation. I think apprenticeships are a really good route for that. Definitely, definitely. Great. So if a young person, say someone in year 9, 10 or 11, is starting to think that the apprenticeship route may be for them, what advice would you give them about which industry to look into? Um, Well, for me, commencing my apprenticeship journey, it was very much about what was I interested in. And I was very much into art. And enjoyed art and my careers advisor talked to me about potential career in architecture and that's how I linked a love of art with architecture so I actually started out as an architectural technician apprentice so I would always say start with what you enjoy not with what you think 
you should be going into because you need to obviously enjoy it. You might change your journey as you go along as long as you're happy doing that initial apprenticeship and gaining the qualification that you want and it's transferable. Notoriously, we will always change employment and it will take us naturally in different directions as you get more experience. Always look at your hobbies, any interests that you have, and don't be afraid to, you know, speak to family members if you know that somebody's doing a job that you think, oh, I don't know what that's about. Always speak to them and say, well, what is it you actually do? Ask those sort of probing questions. And again, whilst you're at school, use that careers advisor to point you in the right direction of how you can research a particular industry or they could, might be able to put you into some sort of informal chat or mock interview process with someone external to the school. Start with what you like and research from there. So how would a young person go about finding an apprenticeship? Where are the main places that you may need to be looking? Well, there's lots of different routes. I would always start off with the National Apprenticeship Service website, which you can sign up for using an email address. It can be done through your secondary education provider. They will talk you through the process. You can then search for the area that you are familiar with or an area that you'd like to get into. So I'll use the example of architecture or construction, and it will enable you to perform a geographical search to obviously narrow that search down. It can be quite difficult getting all the information from some of them sites. So if you know other routes, such as a company website, so let's use an example of a, a large local employer that we're engaged with, such as BT, for our digital technology solutions programs, you might actually want to go onto BT's website and actually look to see if they've got any current apprenticeship vacancies there. Likewise, with the health service, you might want to obviously go onto the local health service NHS website to see if there's any apprenticeship vacancies there. And of course, again, speak to family, careers advisors from the school and just ensure that the, the websites that you're using are obviously secure and government controlled type websites so that it's factual information that you're actually searching. Brilliant. Thank you. Again, some really, really useful information there. And I would reiterate the use of careers advisors at schools because all schools will have them. And a lot of students don't necessarily know that, that they can go and see them at any time or book an appointment. So I think that's a really good place to start. If you did a higher degree apprenticeship, you would be connected to a university for your study. How much time would you typically spend studying at university compared to being on placement? So on average, if I use the University of Suffolk as an example, we don't accept individual applications from students for apprenticeships. We are already engaged with what we call levy-paying employers, which tend to be those employers that have quite a large annual salary bill. And they pay into a levy, which they can spend on recruiting and um, having a placement of an apprentice in place. So for our point of view, the higher and degree apprenticeships are unlike some of the level twos and level threes that you might go to a further education college to study. At this level, higher and degree level, we're talking anything from like level four up to level seven. So they're much, much higher. So what you would expect is that you will be interviewed as a prospective apprentice with that employer. You would then have a contract, which any other employee would hold. That contract would be for the duration of your apprenticeship initially. 
and you would be expected to come to university or to engage with the university at least one day a week for formal lectures. And you may be sitting in the same lecture theatres as some of your undergraduate students. In relation to how it works, we work on something called standards, and those standards are then broken into modules. So for traditional degree students or you know, undergrad or postgraduate students, they work on module content. It would be exactly the same process that you would be coming into university one day a week. The rest of your time would be spent with your employer actually undertaking the role and learning whilst you're on the job as well. And then our job as the apprenticeship hub is to assign a skills coach that would actually come out and perform a tripartite review between them, the apprentice and the employer. And in relation to the facilities that would be available to an apprentice, it doesn't differ between any of our students. So once you are enrolled as a University of Suffolk apprentice, you are entitled to exactly the same access and benefits that any other student. So you would be able to join the student union, you'd have access to all the facilities and the support available, including the library and student services and wider academic support. Great, thank you. Just to pick up on a point you made there about support and mentoring, I suppose with any apprentice there will be some level of support from a mentor to come and check up on them whilst they're on placement? And all students have access to a personal tutor while they're on programme. So basically that personal tutor is there as your first point of contact. There'll be a wider curriculum delivery team. So a bit like secondary education, you wouldn't just have one teacher. You might have a form tutor. The personal tutor almost acts like that point of contact for you that you can go to. So once someone has found a vacancy for an apprenticeship that they like the look of, what would you advise someone to do before submitting an application? I would always prepare to do some research on that organisation. If you're going through a website, um, it might not give you all the information you require. So have a chat with someone, note down some questions in advance. Most of the application routes will state if there's an opportunity for an informal discussion and who to contact. I would certainly use that opportunity to speak to that person. And what you're doing is you're trying to gain a flavour of what the job entails and also what level of support from your employer you will gain. And that's very, very important. So if you are expected to spend one day at university and the rest of your time within that employer, what does it look like? Can they paint you a picture of who you'll be in contact with what additional training that you'll have to do for them and basically how you would record it. So it just gives you a good open picture before you decide that that's the path that you want to take. Brilliant. Thank you. Our next episode is actually going to be on the application process in a bit more detail. So that leads really nicely on to our next episode in this series. Thank you so much for joining us today, Joanne. Before you go, is there any top tips that you would like to share? I would certainly look at what sort of level that you want to go in at. So if you are a recent school leaver or looking to leave school, the higher degree apprenticeship route may not be the route for you because you may not meet the eligibility at that stage. But certainly there are feeds in with some of our partner institutions, i.e. your further education college providers, that you may need to gain some other level, entry level qualifications in order
And that's not just the traditional route, but even on an apprenticeship, there are eligibility requirements. So if we think about things like uh, English and maths, they are core subject areas. Most universities would be looking that you had at least a level two functional skills in English and maths to be eligible to enter onto the programme. And we would also, as a higher degree apprenticeship, be looking for a lower level similar area. So if it was in um, social work, for instance, you would expect it to have a level three social care certificate in order for you to be eligible to get onto our social work programme at that higher level. It's all about preparation and organisation and then see what you need to head towards and what you actually have to put into place in relation to your education now and talk to the people that will be able to give you clear advice and guidance. Brilliant. Thank you so much for joining us today, Joanne. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening and don't forget to subscribe to our future podcast at soundcloud.com slash takeyourplace or on your favourite podcasting app. You can also find us on Instagram where we are at takeyourplace underscore he, on Twitter at takeyourplacehe, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash takeyourplacehe forward slash. You can also email us with any questions, requests, or just let us know what you think on info at takeyourplace.ac.uk.